Luke 5, 1-11. Once, while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret, and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of, got into one of the boats, and the one belonging to Simon, he asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets to catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked all night, but we have caught nothing yet. If you say so, I will let down the nets. When he had done, when he had done this, they had caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to burst. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came with filled both boats, so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down to Jesus' knees, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were astounded at the catch of fish they had taken. And also, and so also were James and John, son of Zebedee, who were partners of Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you do not catch fish. You catch people. When they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. The word of God for the people of God. with me. Holy God, send your spirit upon us, that as your scripture has been read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what it is you have to say to us this day. Amen. Special thanks to our youth for being our liturgists today. Um, it, I wasn't quite sure who would be here, and everybody I had asked were, was not going to be here this weekend because of the holiday weekend. So I just kind of grabbed Andrew and Tommy right before service, and they did an excellent job. So thank you very much, guys. All right, friends, it's Lent, a time where we often might give up something in this season. Um, this year, I'm giving up social media. I have deleted Instagram, TikTok, Facebook from my phone. My only, the only caveat to that, the only exception, is going to be Sunday mornings when I will log into Facebook and say hi to our online people joining us for our live stream worship on my computer. That's why I have my computer over here. If you're like, why is Sandy on her computer during the service? I'm just saying hi to our worship people online. And I did not decide this because Jimbo dared me to do it because he thinks I can't. No, that is not the reason. 
Um, although I am stubborn enough for that to be a reason. But really, I was realizing it's a pretty shallow activity in my life. Now, I am not here to poo-poo social media or our digital connections. I think that they can be powerful. A posted quote that you read might inspire new thought patterns. A memory from a friend or relative might spark a reconnection. A comment from a stranger might lead to a new friendship. I don't know about you, though. For me, it tends to be pretty surface. I will every once in a while throw a picture up um, to post or post a goofy thing like um, Carol and Suzanne wearing the same Christmas socks at choir practice last week. More often than not, I scroll through mindlessly past videos and pictures and sometimes throw out a thumbs up or a heart showing my passing attention for this person and their life experience that barely touches my own. Even if they're sharing a big promotion or a new baby or a devastating diagnosis. For others, it might be an opportunity to throw out a disparaging comment about something they've seen or read that they don't like, and then log out quickly and never have to deal with the consequences of their harsh words. According to one mental health facility's website, missing experiences can create anxiety and depression. When people look online and see they're excluded from ac activity, it can affect their thoughts and feelings and can affect them physically. And a 2018 British study tied, a 2018 British study tied social media use to decreased, disrupted, and delayed sleep, which is associated with depression, memory loss, and poor academic performance. Again, I don't think all social media is bad, but sometimes when we might get on comparing ourselves and our current reality to someone else's curated posts about vacations and wonderful activities, well, we're comparing our deep experience to perhaps their surface one. We, and especially younger people, don't always understand that there might be tears and loneliness and tension and anxiety behind those pictures and posts. And so because of all of this, I'm giving it up for 40 days. Although I did tell my colleagues to tell me if I missed anything really important, right? Is that, not, is that bad? I don't know. This Lent, we're embarking on a journey with Jesus through his ministry, yes, as we do most Lents, but this year, through the eyes of one of Jesus' most famous and precocious disciples, Peter. Throughout this season, we will follow Peter's wandering heart and where it leads. If you're following along on the Lenten daily emails, which I know many of you are, you've already spoken to me about that today, and if you want to receive our daily Linton emails, just email me or sign up online. Each week, you'll see a different little location icon. One of the, I'm not really sure what that icon is called, but like a pin on a map. Um, a different little icon for each week 
that indicates where Peter is on his journey, not necessarily physically, but mentally or spiritually or emotionally. If you look on front of your bulletin today, you'll see that little icon has a fish in it, which represents Jesus' call to Peter to follow him and be fishers of people. It, it's really tiny on the A Wandering Heart map. Also each week, we hear a line from the old hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, which is our prayer hymn for this season as well. And today we hear, Jesus Sought Me. Call stories, stories of one being called by God, are woven all throughout our scripture stories. From the call of Abraham to be the father of many nations, to Moses who was called to set God's people free. The prophets Isaiah and Jeremiah were called to speak to God's people and bring them back to God's ways. The prophet Jonah, as Ms. Sherry talked about, was called to share the good news of God's love. Esther was called by God for such a time as this. And when the prophet Gideon was called, he didn't believe it and kept setting up tests for God, include laying out the fleece. The striking thing about the majority of these call stories is that those who are being called upon typically have an excuse as to why they, in fact, cannot do what God has asked. They are too young. They have a lisp, they're the wrong gender, they don't like those people, or they're just plain scared. Peter is no different. When Jesus calls Peter and his companions, it's a miraculous encounter. These fishermen are struggling on a particular day, and Jesus suggests that they go into the deeper water. When they do, they catch so many fish that their nets begin to break. Immediately, Peter falls to Jesus' knees and says, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. Peter is a shocked, scared, reluctant disciple. It would be so much easier for him to stay in the shallows for the rest of his life than to follow Jesus into the unknown deep. Reverend Robert Wright says this of this particular scripture passage. Everybody knows the schools of big fish are in the deeper water. And the first rule of fishing is you've got to go where the fish are. I'm going to trust this commentator that he knows what he's saying because I don't know anything about fishing, but those of you who do, yes, is this right? You have to go where the fish are. But we shouldn't limit this to fish only. Jesus was teaching a spiritual principle. We could substitute fish for abundance or wisdom or love or healing or peace, all those things we want in abundance. Some people don't catch these things because they simply refuse to go deep. The visibility in deep black water is next to nothing. 
You've got to trust the words and directions of others who have passed through the deep water to make it there. Jesus is always inviting people into the deeper end of things. But shallow water is so pleasant. It tickles our ankles when we walk in it. The minnows and the half-grown fish gather there. You can see all the way to the bottom in shallow water. Staying in shallow water is such a temptation. Shallow water doesn't cost much, and it doesn't take a whole lot of courage to stay there. I don't know what it means for you to go deep this Lenten season. Maybe it's taking up a new spiritual practice. Maybe it's facing questions that you have been avoiding. Maybe it's giving up mind-numbing activities like social media and considering the empty moments that exist without it. Maybe it's working on a relationship that is meaningful to you. Maybe it's considering a need in the world that you might be able to meet. Maybe it's simply taking out time every day to spend with God. The thing is, the shallow end is kind of tempting. We could spend the next 40 days just like we have the last 40 days and the last 40 before that. And pretty soon, these 40 days will have passed, and it will be Easter before you even know it. Or we could, like Peter, hear and accept the call to go a little bit deeper. And with intention and courage, we might find something unexpected and new. So I invite you this Lenten season, these next 40 days, to take our own wandering hearts on a journey with Peter. And let's find out. I pray these him in the words of the Lord for us this day. Amen.